The winds of autumn have gathered their intensity, whipping through the increasingly bare trees. In many places, the squeal of excited children carries on those winds, echoing down residential streets. Here, the shrieks of joy are muffled, spilling out of doorways and shuttered windows. I'm calling from Elm Lake. It is Halloween, and there is a certain crispness in the air. Leaves are crunching underfoot, and the lawns are being neglected in favor of the upcoming winter slumber. Even Jorge Sanchez has slowed his almost incessant pacing. He still talks about the moon and his successful festival, but it's less rapid and feverish than it has been. Angus Thorpe, on the outskirts of town, has begun preparing for the harvest. His crops have all been collected for over a month now, but he keeps intimating that the harvest he's ready for is of an entirely different variety. When he says these things, his eyes begin to lose focus, and it's not uncommon for spittle to fly from his lips. Angus is a gentle soul, generally, but he is also one who does not take the change of seasons easily. Autumn is hard on him as he frets over the end of summer, all the life he spent months cultivating. I think I'm going to look into getting Angus a blanket just to help ward away the chills. Speaking of the outskirts of town, the cabin that had once been found, and then lost, seems to have never existed at all. There are definitely markings showing where something had been dug out of the ground, but it certainly doesn't look like there had ever been a foundation or anything. We all know that without a strong foundation, nothing can truly last, so the lack of one here seems to indicate that there never was a cabin in the first place. I've been trying to speak with George and Lorraine about this, but anytime I get either of them to talk, they can only talk about the Owl's Nest Diner. It has become their singular focus and driving goal. I would be more concerned, but Lorraine has promised that I will get a coupon for 17% off my meals whenever I eat there. As curious as I am, not going to scoff at that kind of a discount. Of course, our town as a whole is gearing up for the big holiday. Halloween holds a special place in many of our hearts, reminding us of simpler times. Nostalgia is fickle, of course. Many of those simpler memories have most likely been fabricated from thin air. The human mind is malleable, and memory is simply pushing the past into a shape we deem most appropriate. Our nostalgia changes as we do, as we gain more control over time. 
if there's anything I've learned, time loves to be controlled and will never truly assert itself. One of the things that people believe about this autumn time of year is that the, the veil, veil between, between worlds, worlds is thinning. Anthony is going to wax philosophical about something, and he isn't going to be wrong, per se. But he isn't going to be right, either. There are ghosts among us. They aren't the ghosts you would think, or even expect. But they are here. They leave their marks on us, and we willingly choose to let them. Ghosts exist where we have left marks of our own. I see them as I walk the streets of Elm Lake. My basket is full of them. I even swear that, sometimes, I can hear them. That is neither here nor there. I am continuing, as I know I must. And Anthony is continuing, as he hasn't yet realized he's being pushed to do. In the meantime, I'm enjoying my breakfast sandwich from the nest, and I'm continuing to unravel the knot that Elm Lake has become. There is so much to do, and I need to take advantage while the veil, veil between, between worlds, worlds is thinning. People like to talk about this time of year as the time when the souls of the recently, or not so recently, departed are back, making their presences known. That this is the time when we can communicate fully with those who have gone before, getting a sense of closure over things that we ourselves don't really have a desire to see closed. In that sense, this time of year is no different than any other. We can always speak with those who have gone before. We just need to trust that they're listening to us. In that sense, ghosts are really just fragments of memory that we have granted new enhanced powers to. They're just small examples of who we want to be or who we are desperately trying to avoid turning out like. They are a mirror upon which we can gaze and a mirror that returns a reflection that is filtered through our own sense of nostalgia. Having said that, however, it is clear that this time of year, the veil is thinner. Ghosts are more prevalent as are other darker forces. Angus Thorpe is speaking of his harvest. He's making it sound as though this harvest is one that will bring some sort of a reckoning to the citizens of Elm Lake. He has been standing in his barren fields, pitchfork in one hand, scythe in the other, and he's been staring down any that come near to him. Not in a threatening way necessarily, but in a way that makes it clear he has seen something. Something darker, more concerning. Earlier this morning, Marcus Grant was walking down the street, passing the town center on his way to the school gymnasium with its market of produce. He turned the corner, heading west down the street. The next thing that he recalls is being at home, a bag of produce carefully placed on his counter, and a breakfast sandwich clutched in his hands. Around the sandwich was a plain paper wrapper, and on the table, a receipt from a diner that doesn't even exist yet. 
two bites had been taken out of the sandwich, but Marcus remembered nothing of the events beyond turning the corner at the town center. His pants and shoes looked like he'd stepped through puddles. But it's been weeks since it rained here in Elm Lake, and Marcus isn't normally one to find puddles even on the rainiest of days. There seems to be no, no logic, logic to what happened to him. him. No logic, or at least not a logic that makes sense to Anthony. See, time still isn't working right. It's gotten better, or maybe worse, but at least it isn't stagnating. I've got my breakfast sandwiches on some days. There are days where the Owl's Nest Diner is open, bustling, and thriving. There are others where no one has even heard of George Mooney and Lorraine Powell. And then there was today. A strange day, piled amongst other strange days. Today, Marcus Grant found a way to slip through the streams. He looked confused and very disheveled because of the steady rainfall. I've seen this before, and I try not to intervene, but... Marcus? Well, Marcus has always been kind to me, even if he seems rough around the edges. So I walked up to him, and I invited him to the nest. It was open today, which lets me know at least part of when we are in the time stream, or at least when we were at that moment. Clearly now I'm back then, but this morning? It was a time with the nest open, with their glorious breakfast sandwiches, and, for a day, with a companion. I don't know if Marcus will even be able to remember getting the sandwich, because there seems to be no logic to what, what happened to him. What could have possibly happened to Marcus to blur out that portion of his memories? It's strange, but it's also something that feels like it could only happen during this time of year, when the veil is thinner and when spirits are said to be at play. Elm Lake is getting ready to celebrate Halloween. And that means we are paying homage to those rituals that came before. We are setting up our candles, our incense, and holding hands as we attempt to communicate our deepest feelings, fears, and truths. We're telling the kinds of stories that only seem to fit into this festive season. Stories of long-lost loves and of the true meaning behind the holiday. Tonight, we will gather at the town center and we will watch the Elm Lake Improvisational Trio put on their annual holiday pageant, all under the watchful eyes of our town elders. I have seen Jenny Fowler today. She has been looking around more knowingly than usual, if that sort of thing is even possible. Her basket seemed to be brimming with even more contents than usual, but before I could ask her about it, she simply smiled at me sadly, placed a finger to her own lips, and turned away. I thought for a moment that I caught a glimpse of something that looked like raindrops on her shoulder, but just like with Marcus, that can't possibly be, as I mentioned before. It's been dry with no precipitation for weeks. I feel that Jenny is attempting, in some small way, to tell me something. But whatever it is, it keeps eluding me. 
Maybe she has holes in her memory, much like Marcus and Jorge seem to. Or maybe she's just a young woman playing some sort of game in her own mind. One that the rest of us are pawns for, but also one where we're not allowed to glimpse the full rule set. can't possibly be the second one, can it? I've asked both Bill and Rebecca Fowler if they knew about what was running through Jenny's mind on her walks, but they don't seem concerned. For her part, Rebecca has said that she didn't do anything similar when she was Jenny's age, having left her own world of make-believe when she was around five. Of course, I don't remember that myself, as Rebecca didn't come here to Elm Lake until she was an adult. It is Halloween here in Elm Lake, and the veil is thinning. Ghosts are drifting through the air, making connections with both their loved ones and the ones that always feared them. Jorge Sanchez is building new dioramas, all revolving around the moon. And George and Lorraine are puzzling over the lack of foundation for one cabin, while also discussing the best foundation for a diner with a strange name. All this is happening mere hours before the Elm Lake Improvisational Trio reminds us of the true reason for the season, and reminds us that we, too, can keep the darkest parts of ourselves alive if we just believe in them strongly enough. As for me, I'm left with my puzzles, a steady electric hum, and the glowing dials that have become my solace. The image of Jenny indicating silence has lingered, and feels almost like a ghost itself. Drifting on the air, I, if I listen closely, I can almost hear the laughter of Amelia Ashford, who has been missing since the Moon Festival. There are clouds in the sky, blotting out the light of the new moon. Somewhere, a small pumpkin is being left as a gift, to please the creatures who creep out under the darkness of night. A single candle is flickering, being toyed with by the wind. And on the breeze, is, is that the sound of distant thunder? The veil is thin at this time of year. Despite what you may believe, this isn't the thinnest it will be. Whatever world is on the other side is sitting, biding its time, waiting. Much like tomorrow is waiting. Elm Lake is waiting. Calling from Elm Lake, Episode 7, Halloween, was written and produced by Sean Monahan. 
The voice of Elm Lake is Sean Monahan. The voice of Jenny Fowler is Emma Sala. Opening and closing themes written and performed by Sean Monahan. All other music written and performed by Matt McInnes. Find out more at machinistmusic.com. Elm Lake's home on the web is at www.callingfromelmlake.com. Feel free to come visit and leave us a comment. You can follow us on Twitter at Elm Lake Pod to add a little irregular strangeness to your social media profile. If you've come to visit our strange little town thanks to Apple or Google Podcasts, feel free to leave a rating and review. Your words can help new listeners hear the call of Elm Lake. If you're enjoying the podcast and want to support us, you can simply head to patreon.com slash calling from Elm Lake. Your support will help us continue to grow and unfold this story and bring new elements into play as we move forward. Trick or treat, smell my feet, give me something good to eat. Wait, no, I didn't actually mean you should smell my feet. That's strange and a little uncomfortable.